welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Wolf. Here at Let It Matter, we seek to make space for and honor what matters to us as individuals, as communities, and as beloved children of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast our cares on God because God cares for us. That tells me that God cares about what we care about. In their song of the same title, the group Johnny Swim offers this invitation. If it matters, let it matter. So that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as we make space for honor, celebrate, or lament, and as we name what matters. Okay, hello and welcome. Oh, I'm so thrilled you're joining me here for this episode today on the Let It Matter podcast. I am joined by author, spiritual companion, and fellow podcast host, Lisa Colon DeLay. In this episode, we discuss themes from her book, The Wild Land Within, about ways to sort of fill out and cultivate our inner landscapes and spiritual formation, including reincorporating Eastern or Orthodox understandings into our Western worldviews and theology, liberation theology and listening to voices from the non-dominant culture, contemplative prayer practices, and there's a really great uh, portion of this where Lisa gives us some fantastic wisdom for those of us who either have ADHD or are neurodivergent, um, where maybe contemplative prayer practices have felt difficult because of um, thought patterns, intrusive thoughts, um, neurodivergence, etc. Um, and so I want to make sure you stay tuned for that if that applies to you. I just was so appreciative of her wisdom there um, and so much more. Lisa Colon DeLay, whose pronouns are she, her, is a Puerto Rican author, broadcaster, creator, teacher, spiritual companion, and passionate creative collaborator. She is the author of The Wild Land Within, Cultivating Wholeness Through Spiritual Practice, and since 2015 has been the host of the Sp- My Muse podcast. Lisa's projects center around enriching the invaluable spaces within each person and the spaces and ways that connect us for healing within relationships, families, communities, and in the world at large. She has a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Communication Design and a Master's Degree in Spiritual Formation and currently lives in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I want to give you just sort of um, a brief intro. Lisa and I hopped on this call and and I just sort of dove right in to the interview um, with uh, a question about how uh, she she starts out her book in, in talking about weaving back in Eastern Orthodox interpretations and understandings because those were parts of the origins of Christianity that got divorced from Western thought um, in the Great Schism. And so I just sort of dove right into that and I want to just let you know we're going to hit the ground running here. Um, But this whole conversation is just, oh, it's just so rich. Um, And I hope you'll also pick up Lisa's book because we couldn't have possibly... um, touched on everything here, but um, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Lisa Colon DeLay. Oh, 
Okay, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me here on the Let It Matter podcast today. I'm so, so excited to have you. Oh, it's great, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Um, I want to start with one of the things I was so captivated by early on in your book, um, which at this point in the episode, I've given your bio, and so people know kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Early on in the book, you make, you kind of point out some of the distinctions between like Eastern or Orthodox Christian thought and interpretations versus Western ones. Um, Historically, and even today, could you maybe explain for listeners who may not know, and then just also like how incorporating an Eastern understanding of God, of creation, of our bodies, of sin and punishment and repentance and all those things and wholeness, how that, that helps to shift our internal landscapes. Sure. To, to back it up a little bit, um, it's easy for us in the West and people who um, are part of Christianity after, in Protestantism especially, and after the schism of the East and the West, that happened, this schism, this giant schism happened in 1000 AD. So we're mm-hmm. talking, it's been a long time since this schism happened. Mm-hmm. And what's sometimes hard to remember is that Christianity was an Eastern religion. Um, A lot of people, that's like words you can't say sometimes that, Mm -hmm. that, oh, that sounds like Eastern religion. Well, it's Eastern. (laughs) It's it's Eastern, actually. Um, It's Middle Eastern for sure. But there's a lot of a a lot different of a mindset in that part of the world. And the big Mm -hmm. distinction compared to Western thought, and I'm not saying throw out everything that's Western. All I'm saying is just add the Eastern part. Um, Just make sure you realize the the historical context of the disciples and of Jesus wasn't this duality of heart and head. Everything was spiritual, every single thing, especially in Jewish context where you have a whole nation of priests. You know, you Mm -hmm. have there isn't a secular world and a sacred world. Um, This is the birthplace of Christianity, which is an offshoot of Judaism. So every single thing is spiritual. There are no false dichotomies and dualities. So that's kind of what I'm trying to help us understand is this. What is now Eastern Orthodox is called Eastern Orthodox. This split off from the Western um, Roman Catholicism in 1000 AD. This this was quite a long time ago. Then we have Protestantism, which is kind of my background, and that started mm-hmm. 500 years ago. So we have an offshoot of an offshoot. <laughs> yes. So it's good. It's just good to kind of go back to the roots, and um, and that doesn't just mean going back to what. The Bible says, but going back to the culture and the history of the people mm-hmm. of the time and trying to understand what's going on. So this plays into our ideas of sin and our ideas of punishment. Um, what do we think of when we think of as punishment for our sins? That is different in the Western Roman Empire influenced Christianity. So the Roman influenced Christianity is all about punishment and courts of law and how would an empire do it? It's very different than what we would think of in early Christianity. It didn't have to do with empire. It wasn't married to empire like it was uh, after the after Christianity was made the official religion of the Roman Empire later on. And this yeah. is our heritage, so we should just know it and be aware and and let it influence how we think about ourselves more robustly. 
I, in one particular section here, I love um, where you talk about the different words used for like uh, contemplative or contemplation in the Latin, which is sort of more Western versus the Greek, which, um, you know, has a different connotation. Can you talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about that and, and like just sort of uh, like on the ground, what are some of the differences in those uh, schools of thought? Yeah, I love that you bring that up because a lot of the words we use are from Latin origins and we have a Latin or Western mindset. But some of the Greek, uh, which is what the Bible was written in, in the New Testament, most of that is is Greek. Mm -hmm. And some of the words in Greek are different meanings than the Latin. And over time, they've Mm -hmm. sort of split ways a little bit. And in the Latin, they've kind of evolved a little bit different meanings and not completely different meanings, but enough different that if you understand them, you can understand why we might worship differently or think differently or Mm -hmm. think of spiritual things in different manners. And so one of the words I point out, and this this actually refers to quite a few words, how it's thought Mm -hmm. of in Orthodox Greek context versus Roman Catholicism or Protestant context can be, can be a, more diverse than we might first think. Um, and this is this is all within the Christian tradition. This is all within this big group of people who love and worship Jesus. Yeah. Think of Jesus as the Savior who died for our sins. This is all in one family tree. Yeah. And so the word uh, contemplation that is used in English comes from the word contemplatio in Latin. So it's not, not a Greek origin word here. And That is actually a word that is translated from Greek. So we have two translations down now. And that Mm -hmm. word is theoria, which is what we get for the English word theater. So in English, we get Mm. the word directly from Greek for the word theater. And that is a spectator type of thing. That is kind of something Mm. you watch. But it's actually in Greek, it's much more of a quiet presence. And um, contemplatio in Greek isn't quite the same um, understanding in in Greek, it's a it's a mm. quietness, it's a presence, it's a waiting, and so you get this divergence of what this can mean. So prayer is yeah. is then different. So for for people who have the Latin context, prayer might be something uh, that is more passive or more petitioning, and then maybe in Greek it's something that's more where you feel the presence of God. Mm. Just it's a kind of interesting yeah. stripes, if you will, and. Something to keep in mind that not everybody is thinking of prayer the same sorts of ways because of the origins of the words. And, and not just prayer, although I love that. And, you know, what we're talking about basically is like you said, we're not throwing out the Western tradition and saying it's all Mm -hmm. wrong. We're saying, how can we weave in and incorporate more of the Eastern Orthodox and, you know, those historical understandings um, to just sort of shift and maybe fill out more of those of our internal landscapes. Another one Mm -hmm. you talk about is sort of the Western versus Eastern idea of like the body and the flesh. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you say a little bit more about that? Sure. So um, the flesh, and this this is also goes back to, um, there's some Gnostic influences on Christianity early on that are Greek and dualistic and prefer the spiritual and the unseen over the material. And and that is really, um, that kind of goes against, those influences are, are I think, somewhat warping the incarnation of, of God mm-hmm. in human form. Jesus dignifies the body. Jesus makes yeah. us um, complete as uh, God becomes incarnated in the body. But what we see even yeah. worse in 
in um, the split off with Western Christianity is you you see even more emphasis on that the body is kind of an entry point for sin and corruption. So even worse you know, than some of the Gnostic uh, influences, uh, where is not just that the body uh, is less than the spiritual part, but like the female body is less than the male body. And, and there's there's some things there that are mm. kind of icky, you know, <laughs> kind of we don't want to yeah. go there. Yeah, but <laughs> Jesus doesn't um doesn't do that jesus jesus feeds himself when he's hungry you know even if there's a fast that is it in preparation for something better and that includes the body so jesus has um bodily needs and uh, those are not transcended because jesus is divine so what happens is in sometimes in Christianity, we will neglect the body. We will think of the body as something gross or something uh, to be shunned or embarrassed of or ashamed of. And I think mm-hmm. that some of these influences in the East um, consider us much more whole instead of, and again, this is a dualism that is less prevalent yeah. uh, or, or not even non-existent in Eastern ideas sometimes in, in Christianity. Western yeah. is more like, um, like Paul talks about, you know, fighting the flesh, right? But it's not the, the yeah. actual body that he's speaking of. He's speaking of the desires that are not conformed to Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and I love, like you say here in this, in this section about this, you say our failures to understand and inhabit our embodiment have led mm-hmm. us to true spiritual disintegration, racism, colorism, sexism, xenophobia, and all manner of othering begin to occur when bodies are detached from the whole human organism as blessed creations. What we are left with is ways to objectify, vilify, commodify, and fear our own bodies and other bodies because we have not loved, made peace with, or felt at home in our own. Um, And that's sort of as opposed to this sort of Eastern idea, like you talk about is uh, this idea of wholeness or full integration that that there isn't a divide between mind and and body or soul and spirit or um, sacred and secular. Uh, And I just really, I really loved that because I think if I'm thinking about this for a listener who's like, interested in more sort of contemplative practices or, or spiritual, um, inner landscapes and those sorts of things. Um, and most of my upbringing or, or teaching or spiritual formation to this point has been, you know, basically the point of your body is to carry your brain around to other rooms and 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 most of your spiritual formation is what you learn in your head, you know? Right. Very Um, mental. Exactly. Then I think that, Yeah. I think that's really powerful. Um, In addition to those sort of ancient Christian understandings and cultures, you also talk about, um, I loved this, the sort of wonderfully diverse and important spiritual and theological contributions of indigenous spirituality, African Mm -hmm. spirituality, black and um, Latinx liberation theology, womanism Mm -hmm. and Korean, is it Minjung? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Minjung theology. (laughs) I probably am getting it wrong if I try it as well. Okay. Um, (laughs) Could you just maybe highlight Mm -hmm. a few of those? I'd love to hear and explain how they can be incorporated into a robust spiritual formation and uh, internal landscape. Particularly, I'd love if you could talk about Latin American liberation theology and contemplative practices of the Black church and then indigenous, uh, indigenous or native spirituality. Well, I'll touch on a few things. I want to back up for just one second and say that one of the reasons why I thought this was so important to bring out in a book is particularly because I have had spiritual 
um, you could say abuse or trauma and physical abuse or trauma. Mm. And what I noticed is you cannot think your way to healing. Um, you can't even have talk therapy to, to healing. Any kind of trauma we have is, is also somatic bodily trauma. And since we have been stuck in our heads as Western thinkers, as Western influenced people and, and religious people, mm-hmm. we never really feel necessarily safe in our own bodies because that's not been attended to. And so I wanted people to realize healing happens in the body. And mm-hmm. that's why we're embodied. And that's why another reason why Jesus came and healed bodies. He didn't that's just right. poof, heal their minds, right? Uh, right. That included everything, the whole person. So he mm-hmm. wasn't going to be like, well, now you feel better about your your thing that's wrong with your body. So now things are okay. No, he mm. actually healed bodies too. And yeah. so I want to make sure that we are fully whole body, spirit, you know, emotions, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. that those are all attended to that we don't just jump over and say, well, we'll talk, we'll talk it through. Because if you don't feel safe in your own body, if you feel triggered, those triggers are offline, they're not in language centers, they're offline in a, a part of your brain that doesn't have access to language. Mm-hmm. And so you need to work that through bodily that can happen through um, different kinds of therapies that are somatic, that can happen through spiritual practices that are bodily involve bodily movements or that involve um you know maybe certain postures in prayer all kinds of things in in community too so Mm -hmm. it's not that we can just think better thoughts or believe certain things and then the trauma goes away would be nice but (laughs) it's not a silver bullet would be nice (laughs) (laughs) it's not really working for us too well or we would be all uh, trauma free in, <laughs> yeah. in Western. In would you? I don't know if you would say that in Western society we're all trauma free. I'm not sure if that's the thing that's happening. No, no, uh, that I Christianity <laughs> has worked so so well with that. But uh, but to speak to Latin, and I would say this is an English word, Latinx. It doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense in Spanish, but right. that for um, for the liberation theologies, this is coming from the point of view of the non-dominant people, of the people with mm-hmm. no power. These are impoverished people. And um, Gustavo Gutierrez is, is the person I, I pull from the most with this, but there are other liberation theologists. And he was Peruvian. And he really wanted to come alongside the people who are essentially victimized and have shorter lives because they are um, in poverty and they, are, they have... Um, no way to get out of that and no way to advocate for themselves. Mm. And so they are taken advantage of what he winds up doing is saying that these are the people that have a special soft spot in God's heart. This is why Jesus comes as this type of person into the world Mm. because God's soft spot in God's heart is for this group of people, not the dominant people, not the empire, not the wealthy, not you know, the, the well-to-do of the United States of America, that that's fine. Everybody is loved by God, but the, but soft spot in God's heart is for the people who are run over the widows and the orphans. We see this in the Bible all over the place. We, you know, there it is. But what liberation theology tells us is that the good news comes to us and teaches us from the margins. And we learn, we learn about God's heart from this, from these people, from coming alongside them, not just like going and rescuing them, but just actually learning the heart of God. Mm. I loved that so much because I, you're exactly right. When I, 
maybe one of the first times I actually committed to like reading the Bible through. And so I like made it through Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. <laughs> didn't just stop at the Exodus stories. Um, but I was shocked at how much I, at how very clear God's heart is for okay. those that society pushes to the margins and those who mm-hmm. um, may be more vulnerable in society. And so I loved uh, that language of soft spot because you do make it, or, or even um, Gustavo Gutierrez makes it clear that there is, that God does love all of God's creation, all of mankind, mm-hmm. that God's love is not only for, um, mm-hmm. but that there is a, a particular or a tender soft spot for um, for those in that environment. And so, um, I love the way, like thinking about as, for example, in myself, someone is part of the dominant culture for all intents and purposes, other than being a woman, Mm -hmm. but a white, straight, cisgendered woman in America, that's a Christian. Uh, I'm pretty near the dead center of privilege. Um, Mm. and, and so I, I want to, um, like reading about these other sort of practices and spiritualities, first of all, demystified several of them because I didn't know some of this. Uh-huh. And second yeah. of all, um, it really got me thinking how I can weave this. Again, we're talking about like how to weave these these things into our current understandings. Um, mm-hmm. And and so it really, like I, I'm wondering what you would say about that. Like um, for someone who does share that sort of socially located um, mm-hmm place of privilege or dominant uh-huh. culture, what would be the sort of benefit or the, how does it help fill out our internal landscapes to bring in these sort of theologies and spiritualities from cultures that, or situations necessarily that aren't uh, ours? Mm-hmm. Well, we just covered the one thing where it's about God's soft spot, right? So yeah. A lot of times yeah. we see, we center ourselves as, as privileged people. I'm going to include myself in a privileged person i'm i'm latina but i am white passing and and that Mm -hmm. affords me certain privileges in in certain circumstances and it is difficult and i have enough money to to have like a computer and books and things like that so what what we can call that is minority world like the majority world is not in in the situation the two of us are in the majority world is not doing that great (laughs) and so we we need if we're in this minority world category we have to realize this is an unusual especially in human history mm-hmm. uh, is unusual situation don't get too comfortable it can all go away but also just realize <laughs> that <laughs> it, it, it could just it could just go away it's, it's a yeah. it's a phenomenon uh that we're blessed and to have uh but you know we have to use it responsibly we also have to realize it that making that the standard in any regard, mm-hmm. uh, when you're a minority and making it a standard, you're privileged and minority. So you're like, so what's the responsibility yeah. of that? Well, you you have to realize that you should never be centered as normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's ludicrous. So, yeah, so then what are the other voices? The other voices are extremely important. Your privileged minority voice is maybe the least important. So why is it dominating every single narrative why is it dominating history why is it dominating uh normalcy or, or whatever so um, I, like commentary just to dismantle committees and stuff like, like bible yeah. translation committees those types of things where you say like if all i'm reading and all all the interpretation right. i'm getting of, of scripture is from a dominant culture but like a minority dominant culture um right 
that's what not are we missing? The Bible's written to. So we're missing something. <laughs> right, right. We're yeah. not just not just who the Bible's written to, but like most of the world doesn't include that category. So right. like there's other stories. There's other people mm. who God is is working in their lives. And a lot of times what we think in, in this privilege say, I can't wait to bring God to people. It's like, will you think that God's not there? Of course God's there. Mm. Like well, how do you think they've been surviving? You know, they're oh, you're not good. gonna you're not you need to learn some stuff. You need to learn mm -hmm. how it's working out for them. God is there. Yeah. It just doesn't look like what you're going to bring them necessarily, or look, it'll look different, you know? So yeah. all I'm saying is we have to be really good at learning. We have to be really good at, at quieting down and not thinking that we have the answers and just a real dose of humility, a real dose mm -hmm. of, of not um, allowing our ego projects to, to drive our lives and, mm. and think I have so much to learn. So I'm just going to um, take it in, make sure I'm, I'm reading from a diverse group of people and also not everybody obviously who is in the majority world can write a book, <laughs> you know, so we have to get That's right. out to people and, and speak to people in normal everyday right. situations, whatever that looks like, you know, the wisdom mm. of like, um, you had Kat Armasan and these abuelita yes. wisdom, right? So the abuelitas, the, the little grandmas of the different cultures and groups and stuff like this, mm -hmm. they have this wisdom that's never going to get into a book, but mm -hmm. it's, it's the wisdom that, that nurtures us, that feeds us, that, that, um, keeps the world going. Right. But if they're not going to be the, the, there's no statues of them that are going to be out there. <laughs> there's no like right. wings of, of universities that are going to be named after the abuelitas, <laughs> but that's they, so they, uh, good. you know, they, are we listening to them? Because they right. have volumes of wisdom for us. I love that. It, it makes me, I don't remember who I heard say this one time, but if it's not good news for everybody, if it's not good news for a poor single mom from Haiti, if it's not good news for, um, you know, someone in a village in, in China that is oppressed and they have to worship underground, if it's not good news for, you know, for everyone, then it's not the good news. Um, mm. and I, and that, you know, I think in our Western cultures, a lot of times we can tend to sort of define the gospel and the good news for ourselves and what we think it is. We think it has nothing to do with social justice. We think it has nothing to do with uh, anything but the right head learning, right? And the right mm. ability to articulate it and, um, and stuff. And so mm -hmm. um, I, I, like, I like that idea of like, like you said, the abuelitas, the people not only the the people who are writing books and translating and you know writing commentaries, mm -hmm. but the people who never will, um, and yeah. just sort of recognizing if it's not good news for them too, then our understanding right. of the gospel right. needs to shift. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and and I want to. I really want to. Oh, what I wanted to also no, say is that I want to disrupt our ideas of of this this head idea of belief. So so we've. We usually will say, we usually will think about Christianity and Protestantism anyway, as like, what do you believe? Tell me what you believe. But I want to make sure that we are, um, we know what we believe. We know what other people believe based on what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, in a sense, it doesn't matter what you say you believe, right? Because it, mm. it matters what you're acting out that you believe is true. So like, yeah. that is the, the other thing to disrupt. Like you can write a book and you can mm -hmm. say, there's a bunch of beliefs that you have to do, but are, what are you acting out that yeah. you 
think is true. And, and this is the thing where the rubber meets the road, because we can, we can put someone in a corner and say, tell me if you have the right beliefs. Right. And, and then mm-hmm. in the next moment, they could tell you all the answers that you think is correct yeah. and then live a completely different life. So it's like, it's all, yeah. if it's all in the head, right. <laughs> if we focused completely on the head, we yeah. can miss the actual incarnation of the spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And, and that's mm-hmm. why I want to very much disrupt this, keeping our religion or our spirituality right in our heads. And, and yeah. the, the poor, the, the poor or the marginalized or the, the liberation theology is for an, a whole embodied because people who are in need of food don't have time to theologize and spiritualize their lives. Right. They're in critical condition. They yeah. are, they are getting the next meal. So they are yeah. not spiritualizing their lives. They are, they are living out by faith yeah. in that moment. That's right. That's really good. <clears throat> I love that. Um, I loved what you had to say in the book, just sort of shifting topics a little bit here about the blessing of tears Oh, right. Um, and <laughs> yeah, then yeah. this sort of chapter about sort of wordless prayer um, mm-hmm. and coming to maybe a different understanding of prayer, um, maybe than the ones that, you know, you're taught in Sunday school, especially that we are in, in America or in the West, um, you know, it's it's confession, it's adoration, it's Thanksgiving and it's supplication, mm-hmm. you know, or they're, they're mm-hmm. like all these all these ways that we're taught to pray that involve Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking, um, yeah. I would love. Can you just explain first of all what you mean by the people, what people experience as a blessing of tears, and then um, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about wordless prayer. Sure. Well, um, again, this is one of those things that people who have gone through extreme trauma or marginalized communities are already incredibly familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. Which is not to say that not to say that it can't happen to, to anybody, but there's in the scriptures, it talks about, um, you know, when we don't have the words to say, the spirit will intercede but with groaning. There, there's that, that portion of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And there's also a, there's prayer with words where we can say, we can say something to God, but there's also a kind of a prayer of the moans and groans where there's, we have, mm-hmm. we don't have the words anymore. There, there is yeah. not even language for the pain that we're experiencing. Yeah. Uh, we're, we might be sobbing. We might be just crying out to God. And, um, there's, there's some really beautiful stuff written, um, by Barbara Holmes on this and by, um, uh, Dr. Barbara Peacock on this too, in the African-American tradition of when, when slaves had come over and they had a bunch of different languages, perhaps on these, on these slave holds, and they would be also in prayer and they'd be moaning and groaning and, Mm. and, and in such trauma, in such, in such duress, that only mm-hmm. moans and groans would come out. But these were the prayers of of an afflicted people, and that. Yeah. So that's also prayer. And what I wanted people to understand is that, uh, of course, because God knows our hearts, and prayer doesn't have to be language, and and also mm-hmm. silence is a language of its own, is a prayer language of its own. And sometimes, um, even in our relationships, we we know this to be true that that you can be in the room with somebody and ha- and feel their presence and be with them and not a word has to be spoken. And God is like this with us too. I wanted to get people familiar with that prayer isn't just always talking. Sometimes mm-hmm. prayer is listening and sometimes prayer is just presence because God isn't far off in heaven somewhere on a throne mm. with a beard. <laughs> right. <laughs> that we know that God is <laughs> 
ever present, always present with us. And it might not feel like that all the time. But when we start stepping into the reality of, of course, God is, is with me. God is with me in my suffering, suffering along with me. And, and I'm not alone. That God can feel like an embrace with, of silence. And that sometimes there's no words that God can say back to us, even in comfort. It's just like, yeah, I'm here, but yeah, this sucks. I, you're right. Mm. <laughs> you know, just like we would for yeah. a friend, maybe if we don't, we don't have the words yeah. we would maybe could offer our presence, but there aren't words. Mm. And I, I want people, I'm hoping that people can understand spiritually speaking is that silence isn't abandonment from God. It is also a language is also an answer. And that, um, a lot of times we'll freak out. I, I can't hear from God. God's silent. It's like, but maybe God is, doesn't have anything to say because it's, it's the kind of silence where God, in a sense, God is, is, um, is too grieved for words as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so what that's, that's what, that's what a best friend would do. You know, they would, mm-hmm. they wouldn't try to, I'm not going to try to talk you out of your sadness. This is just yeah, really yeah. bad. Yeah. I I think about that sometimes when I like when I was younger or I mean not that much younger, but like if I would be just like really upset about something, bawling my eyes out and I would just lay mm-hmm. my head in my mom's lap. Mm-hmm. And my mom was just petting my hair. Yeah. And we would turn on a show or something and I, like she's just there with me. She can't yeah. fix it. She just, you know, she's not involved in the situation or doesn't, you know, whatever. And she's right. not telling me it's okay. And God has the best for you. And she's not trying to give me platitudes. She's just mm. sitting with me and letting me cry and petting my hair and mm. um, scratching my back or whatever. I love that imagery for um, God being with us in our grief or our fear or our uh, wordlessness um, because I have a real issue with, uh, I, because of the way that I was raised is like, I, we put way too much emphasis on God's sovereignty. And so when uh-huh. something goes wrong, my very first default is you could do something about this and you're not. Mm-hmm. And I forget that God is a God who grieves with us. I forget that God is uh-huh. more grieved by the things that grieve us even than we are. And mm-hmm. that God isn't aloof and just watching it happen. Uh, right, you know, right. but, but injustice and like COVID when it was just ravaging the world mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. um, you know, slavery and the Holocaust. I mean, just, there's times that right. I'm just like, you're not the same as my mom sitting there with, you can't do anything about it. You can't, uh. you're the one thing or person who can. Um, and so this mm. is something, I just want to mention that because if somebody else listening yeah. to this is thinking yeah. like, um, silence does, when you said that si- sometimes silence as an answer from God is not an answer that feels comfortable or that we want. Right. Um, right. And it's, yeah. and it also doesn't mean inaction. Um, right. Right. And so well, I, I just, I just wanted to sort of bring, bring that up that the, I have this really beautiful, mm-hmm. I'm, it's the sort of a tethered between this really beautiful imagery and, and I think reality. And then this also mm-hmm. like, I think I was just taught a bad picture of God. Um, Well, sovereignty is one of these words too, right? Yeah. Sovereignty is one Mm -hmm. of these words. And when we, when we have a sort of more simplistic idea, we think sovereignty means you, you can't do something. So why won't you, but it's also like, you know, 
like you could say if a, if a dog got hit by a car, right. It was your pet, your dear pet. Mm-hmm. You take it to the vet. The dog's probably like, you are so much smarter than me. You could drive this car. You can get me to the vet. Now, why won't you fix it? Why won't you fix it? Uh, like, you know, you, you say you yeah. love me. I'm still in pain, but yet, literally yeah. you're doing every single thing you could be doing to help yeah. your animal. Right. Yeah. And of course it, it gets better in a certain way. And I, I think that sometimes we'll see God in a sort of simplistic because we're hurting and, and there's that's that's yeah. fine. God is fine with any way we feel about God. God doesn't get diminished or angry about it. He's like, of course, you're going to feel this way. You're in pain, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, and I don't think God gets angry with us or, or, or is like a human being. It's like cold, silent treatment until you treat me nice. I think <laughs> right. God is completely patient and, and understands what we're going through better than we do. But sometimes yeah. we think sovereignty means like a genie kind of thing. But sovereignty means that God knows everything how it's going to work out and is with us through everything. Sovereignty sometimes misses this critical piece of relationship. Well, how does the relationship work? Sovereignty doesn't tell us too much about that, but how does, how does sovereignty work in the relationship with Jesus and the father? Mm. Is Jesus spared pain? If Jesus right. isn't spared pain and, and Jesus is sweating drops of blood and having a nervous breakdown in the garden of Gethsemane, we get we get out of that, but Jesus didn't. Like, I, right. so we have to think: How does this relationship work? Well, sometimes it sucks because things on the earth suck, and and it's gonna things are just gonna be horrible. Yeah. And so we think: Well, why have a relationship with a God like that? It's like because that's regular life. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. this is our this is yeah. why we're here, and we experience life, and it can be horrible. But it's also that if if there was a different way. God would do that. But since it yeah. doesn't work that way, we can we can know that a loving God has has presence with us. Like you're saying, your mom yeah. is stroking your hair because she's not a genie who's going to poof, yeah. fix it with magic, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it and is even, so hard you know, when that, we're going to through To stretch pain. that analogy a little bit, like there's times, you know, if a kid leaves their uh, <clears throat> instrument at home for band practice and, and a parent could take it up there and bring it to them, but instead says uh-huh. there's a greater lesson for you here in responsibility or whatever. And so there's mm-hmm. going to be consequences mm-hmm. and you may get detention and that's going to suck. And I'm so sorry that that sucks. <laughs> right. Right. You know yeah, I, mean? <laughs> I have gone through periods of my time of my life absolutely with the most ferocious anger and hatred towards God for things Mm -hmm. that I felt were cosmic mistakes that would be such an easy fix. I have definitely gone through that with God and and thought of all the people, you know, especially losing my father. I'm like, of all the people, really? Mm -hmm. Oh my, wow. (laughs) I told God, I told God (laughs) um, several months ago, I think I'm better at justice than you. <laughs> right, or I right, feel like course. I'm better at justice than you. In my yeah. limited tiny view, I, I felt like a brat right. saying it, but I felt like I needed right. to say it because mm-hmm. like I, I just I so I so respond to David so often in the Psalms being like, Where are you? Wake yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> right. And right. I'm so thankful that we have that that language. We're allowed, um, yeah. We're allowed to and the innocence even, beat on the chest or whatever. You could yes. Say. And and then so to bring it back to wordless prayer. Mm-hmm. There's so often, I think, like, I just feel like I'm just in sort of relationship or conversation with God all day, even mm-hmm. if I haven't sat down and said my prayers and done the sign of the cross and all these things, um, that, like, if something happens or if I, I'm babysitting my, my niece or nephews and they keep hitting each other, oh, Jesus, give <laughs> me strength. I mean, just just a quick, sure. you know, something. But sometimes it's not those words. Sometimes it's the deep breath. 
And yeah. what I'm, what I'm internally feeling is like, I can't do this on my own. <laughs> tap in mm-hmm. here, please. I need, I'm tapping into you. And, um, yeah. and so wordless prayer is an idea. I'll say this also for someone who grew up in a really legalistic and performative mm-hmm. religious environment, yeah. it doesn't feel like you're checking the box of saying a prayer. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And that has been, that was, has been the hardest part for me is accepting mm-hmm. that it is prayer and mm. that a quote, it counts and B nothing is nothing. We're not keeping score. God's not keeping score. Uh, (laughs) So whether it counts or not, like to roll it into like, what are you talking about? This is the relationships, not transactions. (laughs) Right. Good point. The transactional stuff. So, so for some people knowing where, Oh, you can wordless prayer. That's prayer. For some people, that's a huge relief. Oh, whoo. Pressure's off. That's awesome. Now for other people, they're like, are you sure? Because I don't feel it's almost like it's performance-based that they've decided like yes but that's how I keep score I know yes. I, that's I read the Bible I'm in the year in. if I don't do that I, I don't I don't feel like I've done my stuff but it's right. like but that's performance we're we like right, right. <laughs> so right. so you know like we're we're doing that and God's like hey whatever you like okay yeah. uh if you want to count that if that makes you feel better but it's like yeah. I said easy yoke I mean I mean, it's, I'm trying to make it easier. Right. And, and in fact, so, Jesus says you're not heard for your many words. Like if God said anything yeah, about it, it's just, say less. <laughs> right, right. And and sometimes we find out that we'll, we'll be, we'll learn this sometimes this lesson flat on our back, hmm. ill, uh, um, invalid, invalid, we'll be laid on hmm. our backs and we'll be like, oh, and then we'll, and it'll dawn on us. Yeah. If this was my kid or if this was someone I loved, I would love them exactly the same. In fact, I would I would feel more tender toward them. Yeah. Oh, God is the same way with me. When I've got absolutely nothing to give, I'm not performing. I'm absolutely mm-hmm. invalid, invalid. Yes. I have done that to myself. I've made myself invalid, invalid. And God is like, no, same preciousness, same worth. Everything's yeah. exactly the same. You can just lay there on mm-hmm. the ground uh, not say a word to me. Yeah. We're still completely fine. I mean, I'm, I'm crazy about you. I'm crazy in love with you. And that is so hard because, because, and I think there's one specific reason is because we don't love ourselves. We don't think Mm -hmm. of ourselves that way. We cannot Mm -hmm. transfer that idea of God's love toward us because we don't believe in ourselves and for ourselves. That's so true. It's one of the things I love about Andy Kolber's work. Um, she talks a lot about an embodied sense of our belovedness to God that like we can, that it's not just that we know it in our head that God loves us or that, or that we are lovable or we love ourselves, but to tap into how it feels in our body, what Mm. our breath is like, what our heartbeat is like, what our sensations are, um, how our gut is, you know, things like that. And uh, because that's a place you can return to. It's a feeling you can identify. Mm. It's something where you can say, I, I don't feel this way right now. How, yeah. how can I return? You know, that's, those sorts of things. In that vein, an embodied sense of our belovedness. Um, before we go, I want to ask if you can maybe just give one or two contemplative practices. Like, so someone mm. is listening to this and they think, you know, this may be something that's new to me, but I want to sort of incorporate con- contemplative practices into my spiritual life or formation or my, my life rhythms. Um, do you have, you know, maybe centering, you know, something, if you want to pick, um, something that, that I, that you think would be good for somebody that's beginning to start with. 
Sure. Um, well, get the book Wildland Within because there every yes. chapter has a practice. <laughs> yes, <laughs> every cha- chapter has a practice you can try and and also just go with something that that is not ill-fitting for you. Go with something that that you like. There's tons of books out there about different practices you can do, but mm-hmm. for I'll, I'll mention a few and then someone can pick it out. Like it can be something as simple as just taking a, a slow walk around your neighborhood or in on a, on a wooded path or something like that. And, but just really being aware of your surroundings and how your feet are falling on the ground and, and the birds that are mm-hmm. singing and just be where you are. That can be a contemplative practice where you are like, I'm a body, <clears throat> you know, I'm sure your thoughts might be swirling. And so this is also a discipline. Spiritual practices are a discipline to get you out of that, uh, the busy bees of your brain, the, all the thoughts that are racing around. So the yeah. idea is to just be where you are and be aware that that God loves you, just being aware of God's presence and love for you. And and this is has a very calming effect, but it takes practice, just like any kind of athletic activity might take practice for you to get into shape. Yeah. Spiritual practices take <laughs> uh, ha- habits to get you into a spiritually connected frame of, mind, frame of mm-hmm. life, I guess, with God. And yeah. so something like that it could be it could be taking a bath and lighting a candle it could be um mm. there's lots of things if you want a prayer practice you can just focus on one word for instance this would be a centering prayer maybe you want to focus on the word jesus or love or peace pick a word that is meaningful to you and just mm-hmm. slowly repeat it over and over until you feel calm and embraced by god and if you have a lot of issues with God right now, if you, if it's, if it's trouble right now mm-hmm. and the, the water is stirred and the water is troubled and you can't do that, um, you know, maybe listen to music, find, find any kind of thing that will help you feel better until you feel more receptive to, to deeper and deeper, um, connection with God, because God will meet you anywhere you are. If, mm. if it's, you know how they, I've heard this like, oh, if you're, if you feel far away from God, who moved? That's crap. Okay. God oh, is exactly, thank you for saying that. exactly where you are. No one, right. you cannot move and that God isn't there. You just aren't aware. Mm. So it's just kind of like, open your eyes. Oh, I'm in embrace with God right now. You're never mm. not in embrace with God. Just open your eyes and don't be afraid because God is right there embracing you. You are never far from God period. Mm. It just doesn't work like that. It cannot work like that. He's in and through our being. He is in and through our being. So, so it's whether you want to receive that blessing or you don't totally up to you. So Mm -hmm. like, don't be afraid that you are missing out on God's love because of something you've done or something God feels about you. It's literally Mm -hmm. impossible. If you want God's love, you get it. Boom. It's just available. And, and I, I kind of feel like, why doesn't, that is the good news. Hello. That's, That's the, good, the news. good news. Yeah. <laughs> just can Period. we, is that okay? Can we just say the truth instead yeah. of making it about something dumb? So anyway, I just, that's the thing is like, you should feel relieved. God actually does love you. He, he loves you more than you love yourself. And it's obvious, or you would have already received the love from God. But since you don't love yourself, mm. you're not going to feel it. And so allow yourself to be loved with a love that you don't even have for yourself yet mm. and, and do that by any means necessary. So, and I think it's, it's Dallas Willard says that if you could find a better way to God than Jesus, do it. <laughs> Jesus would tell you that <laughs> Dallas Willard says, <laughs> just to say, you got someplace that, that helps you get to God better than me. 
go for it. The, the nice thing about Jesus is Jesus is a human being that gives us an example yeah. and, and how to be, how to be one with others and one with God. And it's yeah. a really good example of how to be a human. And it's my favorite example, yeah. but I have also found um, there's some other teachings. There's some other wisdom that provides amazing wisdom. And if mm. it, if it makes you feel that you haven't betrayed yourself, it's wisdom. You know, if there, mm. if you, if the spiritual teaching you're learning makes you feel like you have expanded and not contracted in fear or contracted in, in some made yourself smaller or betrayed yourself, then it's mm-hmm. life-giving wisdom. And all that wisdom is from our source, is from love. And so whatever, if, if it's repeating slowly a, a word that will make you feel expansive towards, towards other people who have, hello, have God in them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that we are so loved good. by God through other people. Of course yeah. we are. When you feel love yeah. for, from someone else, that is God using someone as a vehicle because all love comes from God. So someone else is a vehicle for God mm-hmm. to love you. Receive That's it. That's such a great way to put that because I – one of the metaphors for God or the language for God that I have been sort of accessing most lately um, is that God is love, divine love. Uh Um, And so the mother imagery and maternal imagery has really served me a lot. Sometimes it's rock or fortress or uh, Mm -hmm. mother hen, you know, an animal or whatever. But right now it's, it's divine love because as an, I've been aunt now of three beautiful babies and I'm not even a parent. I'm just an aunt. And the fierceness with which I adore them makes me think I'm just an aunt. If I like, imagine how much God loves, imagine to not just love as an action, but to be it, to be the source of it. Um, so when my doing my breath prayers, what, that's what I say. God is love. Yeah. I am beloved. Mm -hmm. Like inhale, God is love. Mm -hmm. Exhale. Mm -hmm. I am beloved. Um, or, you know, beloved as the word in my centering prayers and stuff. Um, really Uh quick. Do you have a tip for, I have ADHD. Um, Uh for those of us who struggle with thought, like, like if somebody says, observe 20 minutes of silence in a centering prayer, (laughs) that sounds... (laughs) Like a punishment and an eternity. Um, And it makes me feel like a failure when I'm done. And so what do you have any just like nuggets for somebody who's interested in these practices, but also Mm -hmm. maybe either neurodivergent or have ADHD or just have intrusive thoughts, et cetera? Yeah, I I would say it's not like about it's not about this length of time, although you can through discipline get longer time Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it, it will change the chemistry of your brain as you learn a discipline like that but if it's obviously if it sounds like punishment it's not life-giving it's not (laughs) coming from love right right another thing another thing i um if you haven't read practice of the presence which is a small book about letters from brother lawrence this is where Mm. uh, and you kind of already mentioned this so you're sort of a brother lawrence disciple whether you know it or not so brother lawrence is just this this monk and he just checks in with god he practices the presence he remembers when he's he's working scrubbing pots and pans in the the monk's kitchen or when he's flipping an omelet he just has a conversation with god he remembers that god's presence with him just checks in it's not Mm. meditating it's kind of the convert conversation side and this this practicing the presence of god with with him and uh is another way of is another spiritual practice that that's great is 
is just it's like a it's like a, would you say prayer without ceasing or you could say yeah. a meditation of all you know prayer it's like your ongoing life. conversation but mm-hmm. you don't know not like you said hanging out in a room with a best friend mm-hmm. and sometimes you're talking and sometimes you're not and yeah. sometimes it's a word or two or just a look across the room yeah but it doesn't require like, constant I know, yeah. talking <laughs> I know you saw that or you know you're you're just keeping in mind that God yeah. is of course with you because that's how reality works mm-hmm. and um it's and so you don't have to do like okay I better do centering prayer for 15 minutes and you don't have to do that you can just Mm -hmm. be like I know you're with me thank you or I could use some help or I love you or hey did you Mm -hmm. notice that cute bird so did I you know (laughs) just being just just doing the friendship just just checking in checking in that's practicing the presence that's contemplative because it is all about experiencing the presence of God and so it takes also takes it out of just your thoughts in your head to like, I'm experiencing the world and I get to experience with the lover of my soul mm. and we're doing this together. And there's never a time I'm not with God. And, and as you do that, you, you can welcome other people into that too. Like I was just having this conversation with God, I guess you could say, and maybe that sounds weird, but we were just noticing uh, this new, you know, this, this new, um, plant over here that bloomed and I was just appreciating it and you know what do you think you know just where you're just kind of inviting people in to share that love oh I love that so much that's that's fantastic um last question before we go and I'm going to ask this of everybody and you can answer it silly or serious or (laughs) however long um what is mattering most to you right now I love that question um I'm, I'm trying to write another book. And I think what's mattering most to me is seeing how so many things have kind of come full circle in my life, Um, Mm. taking more inventory of how these things have kind of certain things in my life have kind of come back around full circle, and I can look at them again. And I can see God's faithfulness and provision. And times have been real rough for me in different Mm. aspects of my life, you know, and God is faithful, but we see a tiny perspective. So if you're if you're on some part of your journey and it just seems hopeless or you're in the dark night of the soul or you feel abandoned, uh, th- that's part of the journey. Nothing's gone wrong. That's that's normal mm. and part of the, the journey. You'll get to another spot and it'll seem different. You'll have a different view. And I, I'm realizing this in my, a point in my life now where I'm like, okay, okay, I, mm. I'm on a little bit of a hilltop and I can see down. Oh, that's where I was. Okay. I love that. Yeah. So that's what that was. So it does happen if you're faithful and even Mm -hmm. when you screw up and you're not faithful, but if you just, (laughs) you know, keep putting one foot in front of the other and you're going to wind up seeing, you know, even with the mistakes, God will fold them in to whatever's going on. And we're like, okay, we're going to work with that too. We can work with that. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't, don't put yourself through more agony than you have to, I would say, because that's kind of well, I think the tendency of so many of us is we we give ourselves very heavy burdens and we put ourselves through all kinds of nonsense that God is like, hey, I want this to be fun for us. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I want to yeah. I want us to have as nice of a time as possible. So <sighs> you know. That's you great. Know, like take I love a that take a breath. Yeah, just I, I want to um I want to my journey with God and other people at this point in my life, I don't have the energy anymore to, to like 
white knuckle it, it my energy is gone yeah. <laughs> it Same. is gone Same. and so I'm yes. I'm just like okay so we're gonna try to have some more fun I'm not gonna take myself very seriously mm. I realize I make a lot of mistakes I have a lot to learn and <sighs> here we go Oh gosh. <sighs> I love her so much and her work and her words uh, ever since having that conversation with her when we originally recorded um, have already been so meaningful to me. <laughs> My thanks again to Lisa for joining me for this conversation. You can find Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Delay, that's D-E-L-A-Y, on Instagram at Lisa Cologne Delay, L-I-S-A-C-O-L-O-N, D-E-L-A-Y, or on her website at lisadelay.com. Again, she's also the host of the Spark My Muse podcast, so make sure you check that out. I will link to all of these, of course, in the show notes as well. Before we close out, if this podcast has been a helpful resource in your life, would you consider taking just a moment to pause this episode before we do the benediction Uh, And just do as many of these things as possible. If you could make sure, first of all, that you are subscribed or following the show wherever you get your podcasts. Um, If you are listening in Apple, if you could leave a rating and a review, that helps so much um, to just make sure other people are able to find the show when they search for it um, and that it shows up um, early in in search results. If you also would make sure you're following the show on Instagram at Let It Matter Podcast and on Twitter at Let It Matter Pod, all of these things are really vital to the growth and the guests and the goodness of this podcast. Um, And so your support means so much to me and I would appreciate that. Join me next week as we continue to make space for, honor, and name what matters. And now, according to our little tradition as we close out, and in keeping with what Lisa and I discussed in this episode about sort of incorporating the spirituality of non-dominant or or marginalized cultures, I want to just read the Lord's Prayer as is translated in the First Nations version. Let's pray. O Great Spirit, our Father from above, we honor your name as sacred and holy. Bring your good road to us, where the beauty of your ways in the spirit world above is reflected in the earth below. Provide for us day by day the elk, the buffalo, and the salmon, the corn, the squash, and the wild rice, all of the things we need for each day. Release us from the things we have done wrong in the same way we release others for the things done wrong to us. Guide us away from the things that tempt us to stray from your good road and set us free from the evil one and his worthless ways. Aho, may it be so.